0: Welcome to Master the Start, a podcast for young professionals, where we interview business experts on how you can master the start of your life and business. Hello, and welcome to Master the Start podcast, hosted by Bobby Mason and presented by GoMahi.com. This week, we welcome Brian Carlson, president of Ambrion Staffing and Recruiting, Brian and Bobby do a deep dive into the modern hiring climate. Why do great fits for companies often go unhired? Does a company's culture matter when thinking of a hire? What even is a resume anymore? And is it even worth a lick? Join us and find out on episode 43 of Master the Start.
1: Hey, everyone welcome back to your host Bobby Mason and we have Brian Carlson on our show today as you just heard Ryan give the intro about who Brian is uh Brian welcome to the show thanks for joining us thanks I appreciate you having me so let's just start with who in the world is Brian Carlson so who are you and give us one thing you enjoy doing that many people wouldn't expect
2: Uh, So I am the president of Ambryon, which is a recruiting firm here in the Twin Cities. We do uh, direct hire staffing for the most part, which means we're going out and we're finding people to be employees uh, or direct employees of our clients. They pay us a fee to do that. Um, Primarily it's uh, accounting and finance. And the level of positions that we staff are anywhere from, you know, I'd say our sweet spots. analyst all the way up to a CFO of a, a mid-sized company. And, you know, really our goal is to get to know all of the, you know, top-notch finance and accounting people here in the Twin Cities. So something that that I enjoy that people would not expect. Um, I don't know if this is something people wouldn't expect, but, uh, you know, when I'm meeting a new candidate or a new client, I like to find out something unique about them that is interesting, may or may not be business related, but that keeps it interesting for me is to always find out something interesting and then do a deep dive and understand that.
1: That a lot. Well, you have some a unique perspective on things. So before we jump into the questions about what people can do when it comes to hiring or people that are looking for a job, I want to start with why did you make the jump? From auditor at EY to an executive recruiter.
2: You know, it was uh, when I when I looked at what I was enjoying and liking about my job at, at EY, it was the people I was working with and the clients that I was working with. I really didn't like the sitting in my cube crunching numbers aspect of my job. Um, And I actually sat down with an individual at a a large international accounting and finance recruiting firm. And he asked me the question, um, you know, what do you see yourself doing? And my response was, well, I'm kind of sick of this accounting and finance thing. And he asked me if I could see myself uh, being in a recruiter role. And I said, maybe. And, you know, four interviews later, uh, I was turning in my notice and going to work for that for that firm. So it was really the the people aspect of the business, I guess, that got me excited and, and really still gets me excited to this day.
1: That's awesome. I couldn't help myself I, when I was doing research on you. I read your favorite quote. Okay. Yep. And I, everyone's going to need to bear with me because I'm going to read it quick. And it's not a short one. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> so your favorite quote is... Attitude. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude, to me, is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think, say, or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it why is attitude so important? I, I love that quote. I think I'm going to put it on a poster and hang it up somewhere. So I'm just curious. Why do you love that quote?
2: Well, I, I think the quote says it right. Uh, You know, attitude is 90% of of the outcome or, you know, how you're feeling in general. I think, you know, happiness comes from your attitude. And, you know, people are going to think in a certain way, things are going to happen, and it's all the perspective that you take on it. And that's why You know, I really like that quote. I mean, you're going to have those days that are just not good days, but you just make the best of them. And it it makes such a huge difference. You know, just walking in the office and having a positive attitude for the
1: day makes a big difference. For sure. So now we'll start getting into the whole world of recruiting. Okay. Most people have been hired at some point in their careers. I mean... I personally haven't yet, but (laughs) (laughs) um, they have all felt that discomfort of starting on their first day. What tips would you give new hires to make the transition into a new company more enjoyable? And this first half of the show, I think we're going to really touch on um, the perspective of someone being hired. And the second half, we'll kind of touch on what a company should be doing to hire someone.
2: Okay. So the question is, what what can someone that has been hired do to basically onboard themselves as, as best possible? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, I think the onboarding process is is generally something that, that is much more, you know, company driven. Um, but within that context, you're going to have really good onboarding processes and really bad onboarding processes. And And maybe I'll take it from the perspective of you know you're you're as a new employee not getting everything you think you need um and and i think part of it is just realizing that and then being proactive in going out and finding what you need asking the questions um you know certainly as you're going through that that initial training making sure that you are you are taking notes and you're not afraid to ask questions because I. I have seen, you know, people that that we've placed and I think where they where they really get into trouble is when you're maybe trying to act like, you know, everything um, and and being afraid to ask questions on the front end, because that's that's your opportunity to ask lots of questions. Right. Um, You know, a question that that is not a stupid question on day one maybe becomes a a more stupid question on, on day 65 or whatever it might be. Um, so I think that's really important. And I, and I think it's really important to reach out within your department and, and even outside your department to try to identify people that you can network with and learn about the company culture uh, because every company has such a different culture and things that may be the norm and very acceptable in one company may may not in another. And to really understand those and make sure that you're kind of functioning within those norms. It is really important to to get off on that on that
1: right foot. I really love that answer. So you know we we focus on mastering the start of business, and I have to ask what what should young professionals be looking for when searching for a job? Should they care more about the money, or is it important when you come out of college or you're early in your career to really figure out and learn and experience all that stuff in your industry?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, outside of making uh, a basic wage that will pay your expenses so that you're not stressed out from day to day, that would probably be the lowest priority for me coming out of college. I think if you if you can come up with, with you know, what are my goals for five years out, 10 years out? Now, that's the difficult part, right? But then if you can go out and find the skills you know, and whatever job it is that will take you to those goals, that's much more important is to start checking those skills off that will take you to that that five-year plan, that 10-year plan, that 20-year plan, whatever it might be. Um, but but I think to, to your point, you know, your, your point on money, I, I would say that is a very low priority, you know, for, for whatever dollars are above and beyond what you need to, to feel comfortable.
1: So you definitely encourage goal setting? Absolutely. How do I mean, you I mean I, I would I would hope that that people
2: coming out of college are very familiar with goal setting and have done it as a part of, of school even. Um but yeah I would I would say that is one of the most important things you can do, especially earlier in your career.
1: I have to ask, do you have any tactics to goal setting? Because I would say a large majority of people that I know don't do goal setting at all. My okay. gosh, it just it isn't a common practice surprisingly
2: yeah um yeah i mean i think you come up with your your big audacious goal right and then you 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 back down from that to say okay how do i get there um uh, over the course of the next 5 years okay so that means what do i need to do you know this year break that down what do i need to do you know over the next month what do i need to do on a daily basis to get there because once you start breaking that that big, audacious goal down into what what can be done on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, all of a sudden it it becomes much more achievable. Um, And, you know, there's a lot there's lots of techniques that you can find, um, you know, on the Internet. If you Google goal setting that will give you some specifics and how you break that out. But I think that's the the big thing, because I think we can we all look at a goal and we're like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. But what is the plan to get to that goal? That's what's important.
1: Huge. Have you read The One Thing? I have not. Should I? I? You definitely should. It, okay. It's uh, one of the best books I've ever read on goal setting. And really? it covers a lot of what you were just talking about. And I think you would love it. Yeah. I I, I love books like that.
2: So I'm sure I, I would. I will definitely read it. Thank Good.
1: you. Yeah. So what is the hardest part, in your opinion, about finding that perfect job? And how how do you guys help it? Or how do you make it easier for people? Um, you know, I think it's, it's difficult
2: to look at a posting online and know if it's the right job. And I think the, the one important thing that, that we do with our candidates and our clients is we sit down face-to-face with them to truly understand the type of person that will be successful in the role because the skill set's important, right? But there's a, there's a lot more that goes into it. It's the right personality fit. It's, it's the right cultural fit. There's just so much that goes into it beyond the, you know, the job description or the resume. Um, Because uh, uh, you could have a job description and a resume that line up almost a hundred percent, and it could be totally the wrong fit for that person in that, in that company. And so I think it's really understanding that, that personality on both sides and making
1: sure that's the right fit that seems super tough (laughs) it actually seems when i think about it more and more i mean i know you guys are working with executive levels and stuff of that nature how much research goes into i guess finding the right fit for a company because you have to understand their culture a bit and you have to understand (laughs) the individual that you're placing there what goes into that like what does that whole process even look like
2: yeah, um you know i think I think the the biggest thing is to is to sit down with that that client and that hiring manager and really understand what is important to them uh beyond the job beyond the the resume right beyond the very specific skill set that is needed to do that job, and once you can really understand that, it's going out to the market finding the skill set but then uh, you, you know you might have you might start with a hundred people that have the skill set and you drill that down to 20 that you feel really have you know the potential to be a good personality fit and then maybe we're sending out you know five to seven to our clients to take a look at and saying here are the the best people even of that bunch that I think you should talk to initially um, so to some degree it's just casting a really large net, and then funneling that down to the people that truly are the right fit.
1: Okay. So you brought up resumes and I'm super curious about resumes because I look at plenty of them from the opposite end. And I'm curious, how important are resumes and how, how do you design a good resume? How important our
2: resume is it it depends on how you you are being introduced to a job right if you are if you're sending a resume to a posting online you know there's a there's a a good possibility that there's a keyword search going on in that resume and you know formatting and some of the other things to make that resume pretty might might actually hinder you when when that bot is crawling the resume and finding the keywords so so then it's much more content based making sure you have those keywords on the resume now if you're working through you know an executive search firm then all of a sudden the resumes may be less important um because that person is having a conversation with the hiring manager and highlighting you know the spots where you truly are a good fit for the job you know i think it really just depends on how you're you're getting introduced to that job more than anything. You know, how it as to how important your resume is.
1: Gotcha. So if people I I feel like a lot of people are very dependent on their resumes, and I could yeah. be wrong, but yeah. Do you have any suggestions on how people can differentiate themselves beyond the resume? What should people be doing if they are looking for a job? So how can they differentiate themselves Beyond the resume, on the resume, I guess I'm interested in both perspectives. Yeah.
2: Um. So, so on on the resume, what what we like to see is, and we'll use the the made, saved, and achieved. Those are the types of things that we want to see on a on a resume, and we want to see that as specifically as possible, right? You know, I either made the company this number of dollars doing this project. I saved the company, um, you know, money doing this project and, and talk about the specific dollars and how you did that, or I achieved this specifically. And, and again, I think the being specific is, is the important thing there, you know, whether it be, you know, actual dollars or, you know, my achievement was I was the top rated person in my, you know, start group or however you can frame that up to say, okay, I am unique. Because just putting the bullet points of what you do does not does not tell me that does not tell a hiring manager that. So if you can if you can look at yourself and say, you know, what makes me and, and this isn't, you know, hopefully this doesn't come across as someone trying to say I'm better than anybody else. But what 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 makes me feel like I can do this job better than other people that might apply to it? And you really need to think through that and then get that on paper. And, and we're dealing with a lot of, you know, we're dealing with accounting and finance people, right? So um, I'm going to cast a very broad stroke and say these are people that are somewhat conservative and want to exceed expectations. So under, under sell and over deliver. And I always find myself telling, you know, accounting and finance people like this is your opportunity. You need to sell yourself. You need to brag. <laughs> and, and sometimes that can be a, a difficult fit. for for people that have that um you know that undersell uh over deliver type mentality
1: definitely a follow-up to just that idea of overselling yeah i think it is important to oversell and but i see a lot of people and i never know the right answer to this they say that they have a lot to share but they never know how much they should share on a resume Okay. They never know how long a resume should be. They don't yeah. know if it should be a, a bunch of long paragraphs or bullet form, you know? Okay. What should people be doing? Or does it depend on what kind of position they're looking for?
2: You, you know, I, I, I would say it does somewhat depend on the type of position. I mean, if you're if you're applying to, you know, a creative job, it's probably gonna be a dramatically different resume than what I'm gonna tell you to put together. Uh, If you're uh, applying for a job with with one of our clients and we are going to send out a resume, I I would say it's going to be bullet points. It's going to be, you know, the the made, saved, achieved bullet points is certainly going to be part of it. I I just don't like a paragraph because you just get buried as you're kind of reading through it. We need stuff that's going to pop so that they can very easily see the the important skills that, that are necessary to do the
1: job. Cool. So beyond the resume, what other tools do you recommend people using? To find a job or differentiate themselves to be hired.
2: So far as finding a job goes, um, you know, I think you know, regardless of the industry that you're in, if you're really contemplating, um, you know, making a move, ever <laughs> for that matter. I mean, I think it's good, to, especially early in your career, to establish a relationship with the recruiter that you trust. I I would not want to be in a position where. I feel like I need to leave my job and then I'm trying to establish a relationship with a recruiter because the people that, that we work with and the people, you know, it, it might not be that we place them in, you know, a year or two years, even we're understanding what they're looking for. And then, you know, hopefully we're going out and finding it or we're calling them when that right position comes in. And I don't think you want to have that that opportunity where you're, you're having to reach out to somebody when you're out of a job. Have that be where you can reach out to somebody that you know at that point in time that knows you that knows your background and can hopefully find you something very quickly. I think outside of you know making making sure you have that relationship with a recruiter LinkedIn's great right. You can reach out to your network and the the network of your network to to really cast a, a broad net. Um, and then uh, Indeed certainly has been a, a good source just to see what jobs are out there. So I would I would recommend those as, as sources as well.
1: Cool. What are a few questions candidates should ask during an interview to determine if a company is right for them? Because I think, and you've brought this up, I think it's really important for both parties to know that they're the right fit for each other. So what can you do from a candidate side?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's always good to understand why a particular position is open right? Um, you know, somebody left that position and moved on to something else to understand why that happened. Certainly, I've had candidates that have reached out to somebody that's left. You know, you could maybe do that via LinkedIn to say, hey, why did you leave this position? To really understand, you know, are there, you know, potential issues with the company that that you just don't see? Um, but I'd start out by just asking the hiring manager that question. And then I always... You know, whoever you're meeting with to just understand why why did you come to work here? What do you like about working here? It's those basic questions and you see if you get consistent answers across the board. And if you're getting consistent answers across the board, then I think you can feel pretty good that what you're getting is reality. But if you start getting inconsistencies there, then you maybe have to dig a little bit deeper and figure out, okay, is this truly the the right fit for
1: me? Should someone jump right into the first job offer they receive? <laughs> Sometimes. I, I I think it's important to understand
2: your criteria for making a change on the front end of your job search. And I would say if if you feel like that first job you interview for really hits that criteria, then yes, I would. In a perfect world, would you line up three opportunities and then pick the best one? Maybe. But Lots of times it just doesn't work that way, so I think you need to evaluate each opportunity kind of on its own merits against what your criteria are on the front end.
1: Do you help people come up with their criteria?
2: Yeah. I mean, that, that's certainly part of that, that uh, face-to-face meeting that we have to understand, okay, what do you like about your current job? What don't you like? What's important to you when you look at that next job? You know, understanding maybe what their five year plan is and and then talking about the skill sets that they need to pick up between now and when they you know maybe want that that job in five years and what that job looks like so so yes, absolutely that's a that's a key part of that that discussion because, like I said, we may not be meeting with them because we have a specific job at at this point in time. Uh, we might just be wanting to really understand the the total picture and what they're looking for. And then, you know, with the with the intention being, you know, we're gonna go out and find them something, or we will call them when we have something that is truly that that perfect fit.
1: So this is a very specific question and I'm just interested to hear your answer on it. I'm pretty bullish on pursuing your passion. Yeah. Therefore, if one of our listeners is sitting at a job they don't enjoy, what are some steps they can take to explore a career they love? I I just want to get your take on it. Do they quit their job? Do they do a bunch of things while they're at their job? What should they be doing?
2: You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of exploring on the, the periphery of, of maybe what that passion is, because I think sometimes unless you're there, there's going to be those people that are just like, Hey, I know this is my passion. And then I would say, yes, absolutely drop everything, go after it. But there's also going to be the people that are like, you know, this is a this is a hobby of mine. I think this is where I want to go, but might not really know what that looks like on a full time basis. And and I think that's where it's really important to, you know, to try to dabble in it and and maybe not quit your job. And and under because there's going to be repercussions to that, too. Right. Um, and I hate to see somebody that that, you know, goes after their passion only to find out, hey, this isn't really what I want to do. And now I want to go back to my job and, and maybe that's not not a uh, an easy thing to do.
1: Yeah. And I usually encourage people to yeah, explore different passions beforehand and actually yeah. take the time to look for a job they genuinely love before quitting. I feel like a lot of people are very hesitant to sit at a job and also in their free time be a, actually exploring other positions. They almost feel like they're cheating on the company they're at.
2: Yeah, which I think is fair. But you, I think you got to look at it and you got to say, am I am I going in and giving that company uh, a fair day's work? Um, and, and if the answer to that is yes, then you need to do what's right for you too. Um, the, the problem with quitting your job And then going out full time and looking for a job is there's definitely a bias toward people that are employed and there's always the question you know why are you unemployed and and even if you have a good answer to that there's always going to be that question okay was something going on there why did they quit without a job Um, so you just aren't as marketable as a candidate if you're not employed and that's just that's just the reality of the marketplace. I don't. I don't necessarily think that it's right. It's certainly not right in all cases. Um, but it's it's just the reality. And so I I hate to see somebody quit a job. So if someone's just saying, hey, I'm frustrated with my job. Um, you know, I'm thinking about quitting. Um, my my advice is almost always, well, don't. <laughs> Unless there's something going on that's really you know, something you have a disagreement with from an ethical perspective or moral perspective or whatever. I mean, there's going to be those cases where you need to just walk out. But it has to be a pretty extreme case for for me to say, yeah, go ahead and do that.
1: Okay. I, I really love that answer. Let's switch perspectives for this last section here to the company standpoint. How important is it to a company that a new hire is enthusiastic about the company's mission and its culture before hiring someone?
2: You know, I've seen perfect fits for a job not get it because they were not excited. Um, So I, I think it's I think it's really important. Now, that being said, um, I think there's different, you know, because we'll have people that just say, well, you know, I, I only want to work in in this industry. And, you know, that's fine. Um, but sometimes the question is, well, what's what sacrifices are you willing to make? Um, Because if you if you say, for instance, you want to work in a specific nonprofit niche, um, you know, nonprofits tend to pay less. Is that is that a sacrifice you're willing to take or you're willing to make? You know, the the opportunity beyond that not for profit, you know, for growth is probably there might be a lower trajectory in your career. Are you okay with that? I think those are some of the things that that people really need to be be thinking about as they as they make those choices.
1: Then. How do you know when you're recruiting, how do you actually know whether or not a particular prospect is excited about a specific company or position? I feel like you have such a small amount of time to truly understand what these people need or want. Yeah. How do you make that happen or fit right? You know, the nice thing
2: is we're having a general conversation on the front end, um, so there there's no incentive for that candidate to say, here's specifically what I'm looking for. You know, if you're if you're Medtronic, right, and you're interviewing somebody and they're telling you they're passionate about Med device, maybe,
0: <laughs>
2: maybe not. Right. Because that's that's probably what you're going to hear. Um, you know, you're a medical device company. They're they're trying to sell themselves into this position. Now, if we're interviewing with somebody and or we're meeting somebody and we're saying, okay, well, what what industries are you interested in? And they say, you know, I'm really excited about med device. They don't have that same incentive to maybe you know exaggerate that interest. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it definitely does. I just I just always think about it from perspective of I might have 60 minutes to sit down with a new hire. And Mm -hmm. I never really know if that person's going to be the right fit until we're three months into the relationship.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think one thing you can do as a company is to, number one, bring that person in multiple times. Um, Because it's amazing to me over the years how you can get two different personalities on two different interview dates. (laughs) Right. Interesting. Where you have somebody that comes in and seems very, you know, energetic and focused and then maybe you bring them in again and you don't get that. So I I think that that is certainly something you can do to make sure what you're getting is reality. Having certainly multiple people interview and then really getting everybody's perspective. You know, I'm always amazed, you know, when we're interviewing people internally here, you know, I always get them in front of basically the whole team and everybody's got a different perspective, and everybody you know picks up on things that that maybe I didn't pick up on in the in an initial interview
1: that's that's really interesting i I usually don't try to get the whole team in there because I always think, well you know is this going to be overwhelming for the yeah. potential new hire is and are other people going to feel overwhelmed being a part of that whole process um, yeah. but yeah, I really really love that
2: be, because ultimately. Uh, you know, it's gotta be the right cultural fit. And I always feel like you get a bunch of people involved. They really will have a, a, a good perspective on, on whether or not they're, the person's going to be a good cultural fit. And, and, the I can think of one time where the resume was great. Personality was great. I got them in front of the team and they're like, ah, I just don't think it's the right cultural fit. And I came in over the top and said, okay, we're hiring this person anyway. Mistake. <laughs> they, they, they had they had they had a very good feel for for whether that whether or not that person was going to be a, a good fit in the organization culturally, and ultimately they weren't.
1: Hmm. You have to be pretty good at hiring for yourself, then, right? Is that how it yeah, works?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You, you would you would think I'd be perfect, right? I should be, but but no. I mean, yeah. We 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 have to hire. You know. I I think I think the person that we're hiring is difficult. So you have to have somebody that. Is very competitive and motivated, but I always say we're, we're competitive in a in a fun way. And then you really have to be a people person and really care about the people that you're working with.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. What are the main? Or really, just give me your top two things you look at when determining whether or not a prospect is a right fit for a role.
2: Well, certainly, you know, at a, a, a very basic level, there has to be the skill set, right, and. There's going to be requirements for our jobs, you know some of them tend to be fairly technical, so at a basic level we 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 do have to to find the the right technical skill set but outside of that it's it's that that personality and how it fits with an organization again i'll cast a broad net and say you know finance people account. Accountants tend to be a little bit more conservative, maybe a little bit more soft-spoken. And sometimes, you know, our clients uh, are fine with that. And sometimes our clients are looking for, for someone that is a bit more outgoing and maybe can work with the sales team. And, and so it's, it's just that combination of, of skill set and personality that we're trying to evaluate. And then, you know, based on the jobs that we're trying to fill, we're figuring out who's a fit where.
1: Do you have a go to question by any chance when you're figuring out if someone's a good candidate no <laughs> i don't i don't I don't have a go to question. It's so
2: dependent upon the person and and I would tell you this i mean there there's certainly schools of thought around you know having people ask the very same interview questions of every single candidate right and and there's certainly an argument to be made for that that style of an interview i am much more of a get to know you because i feel like if i can get to know you i can determine you know not only based on on your work record and what you've done there but maybe outside of that what you do you know outside of work i feel like i can i can learn a lot from that too and really determine what type of company you're going to be a fit for, or if we're interviewing internally, whether you're going to be a fit for us as an organization.
1: With unemployment being as low as it is, does that make your job a whole lot harder? Yes, it, it does. Um, you know, certainly within accounting and finance,
2: you know, our our unemployment rate is you know under you know probably two and a half percent. And and with that, there's just a lot of competition for good talent. So so we need to push our clients to make fairly quick decisions if they, you know, if they interview somebody and they think that person is the right fit for the job, we need to push them along and let them know that if they're not able to make a quick decision, that's fine. But that person could certainly be off the table. And then, you know, the vast majority of people that that we're dealing with are are currently employed. And so it's it's finding the right job that really makes sense for them to to make the move.
1: What is usually the transition time? Uh, I'm just thinking from the perspective of, and this is because I've never had a normal job before. Yeah. Um, If you're working for a corporation and you get hired at an executive role for another corporation, how much time do you usually have to fill the second job?
2: Yeah, it, you know, it depends, you know, certainly there, there's situations where, um, you know, we may just put a consultant, uh, or a contractor into that role to, to, to have more time to fill it. You know, if you have somebody leave, they, they give two weeks notice and it's a job you need filled immediately. I mean, we can make that happen as an organization, um, pretty quickly, you know, it could be, you know, it could be a couple of weeks. It all depends on how quickly that client really wants to move on, on a, on an opportunity. But if we have somebody that says, "Hey, I, you know I had somebody leave or I had somebody just turn in my notice today, I'd really like somebody to start in the next three weeks. you know we can we can definitely make that happen, but it, it's it's all about creating the time to you know get through the interviews and you know being willing to get an offer out quickly if you have the right person. So lots of times that's really dictated by the the organization and how quickly they want to move on on getting somebody in there.
1: Gotcha. And I have one more question for you before we do our quick fire questions. Okay. What do you see as the most common mistake companies make when hiring? I I'll give you one
2: in general and I'll give you one that I see companies making right now. I think in general it's hiring based on skill set more than personality and cultural fit and and maybe potential. It, you know, we have clients that that are are very specific in what they want from a skill set perspective. And and sometimes we'll have to educate them to say, okay, that's great, but what are the true requirements? And then what are the desires? And then how important is personality and maybe upward mobility and and that type of thing? Some of those more soft skills. And I think companies that that hire on the the broader skill set, you know, personality, um, cultural fit and upward mobility, do better than the companies that just say okay i need a b and c and and that's a very specific skill set and then don't really dive into some of the other uh aspects of the of the candidate so taking that more holistic view i think is really important and then uh, a mistake that i think i see a lot of companies making right now is not pulling the trigger very quickly on good candidates and then you know maybe a week, two weeks, three weeks later they they want to hire that candidate and they're off the market. They've already taken another job, um, and that's just that's just the the nature of the the market right now. And I, I think people are learning that they need to move quickly, but um, there's there's still some there's still some learning to do there.
1: Awesome. So at the end of each one of our podcasts, we do quick fire questions, and they're never quick. I don't. I still don't know. I tell every guest. Why in the world do we still name it Quick Fire Questions? Maybe it's cuz we're okay. lazy, I don't know. <laughs> um but we have a random question that our audience sends us every week and I actually okay. have two for you this week because someone reached out this morning and had a specific question for you. Okay. Um the first random question is if money wasn't a factor in what you do, would you still do it and why?
2: Y- yes, I would, for sure. Um I mean I I'm I'm still here I'm still enjoying it and you know I always tell people that if if I come in here and I'm not learning something every day then I'll probably quit coming in but I I just enjoy getting to know people I enjoy you know now building the team and and watching them be successful and and you know achieve some of the professional goals that they have I mean that that's what's fun to me is is you know watching you know new people come in and You know, successfully serve our clients. That's still really, really exciting to me. Um, So yeah, I, I, I definitely would still be doing it. And I, that those are the aspects that I like. It's still, it's still the same that got me into this business. It's the people side.
1: Awesome. And this is just a blunt question because it's just (laughs) the question that they ask so bluntly. What does somebody's career need to look like to become the president of a company?
2: Wow, that's that's a very interesting question. I, I don't think there, there's not a good answer for that. Um, because I think there's a lot of different paths to it. I I would say maybe two of the more common paths are through sales or through finance. Lots of times with some operations mixed into that. I, I think the biggest thing, the, the, the path to being a president of any organization is to set goals. And then incrementally make sure that you're achieving those goals year over year. And looking at your skill set every year and saying, okay, what skill do I need to pick off that's gonna make me a good fit for a president job, you know, two years down the road, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, wherever you are. But really looking at it at least on an annual basis and saying, what do I need to do to get there? Because I, I think what happens to some people is you wake up five years into a job that you got comfortable with and you realize that the last three years you haven't picked up any new skills and that's a problem
1: wow that actually ended up being an amazing answer (laughs) good i'll take that thank you not that i was second guessing your ability (laughs) to do so (laughs) all right so our last three questions that we ask every guest the first one is what skills does a young professional need to have straight out of college
2: I think this is this is not going to be a unique answer, but those communication and interpersonal skills are so important. Business writing, just being able to to write an email is is so important and something that I I, I definitely see can be lacking. And that's that's really across the board. It's not somebody just coming straight out of school. But just in general, the the communication skills are are so important. And then maybe just basic software skills, too. You know, if you're looking at the Microsoft suite or, you know, the, the Google suite to just understand, you know, basic spreadsheets, you know, word processing, um, that's obviously really important, too.
1: I want to go back to the email really quick, just Yeah. because what makes a good or bad email? Like, what specifically are you talking about? Are you talking about grammar? Are you talking about the way it's written? Are you talking about the content? Um...
2: Grammar, yeah, grammar and misspellings. I mean, I, I see a lot of it. and I, You know, we even see it or my clients see it in in follow-up letters, um, you know, thank you letters for interviews. You know, we we see it uh, all the time. And it's just, you know, the, the advice that I would give somebody, you know, if you're and this is going to this is going to get really specific because I'm going to talk about, you know, uh, follow-ups to interviews. Have somebody else look at it. Before you send it, because I, you know, and I'm guilty of this too. When you write something, you, you may read it back to yourself the way it should be, but it might not be accurate. So it's really important to have that kind of stuff reviewed. But that, that's, that's really, really, I I don't have anything specific, I guess, with regard to an email. Other than maybe sometimes we're having conversations via email that really we should just pick up the phone and have live because you you miss so much of communication overall in, in an email. You don't get tone, right? Um, and, and so don't be afraid to pick up the phone either.
1: Man, I hope I didn't make any mistakes when I emailed you earlier. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm going to be so nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back and look. No, no you I, certainly I, can. I, I did when I emailed you back. <laughs> uh, I know I've made... I've made mistakes in the past to a couple of CEOs, and they they definitely let me know that I made a big mistake. And I was like, "All right, fair enough, I get it, I get it." That's funny. <laughs> All right. So the next question is, what do you believe needs to be sacrificed for success?
2: That's a really good question. Um, you know, I'm certainly not going to sit here and, and say you have to give up work life balance to be successful. Um, you know, I think whenever you're starting something new. Um, whether it be a new position um, within your company, a completely new job with another company. I, I think you you have to be conscious of the fact that maybe you need to make more sacrifices from a personal perspective. And, and maybe it, it's time with family. It's, you know, maybe missing some things to really dive in and understand the position. But I I, I certainly don't think to be successful, you need to put all your eggs in the job basket. You have to maintain a good work-life balance. You have to take time out of the office. Um, Otherwise, you're gonna burn out and ultimately that's
1: not gonna make you successful. I love how you hit both sides. Both sides of the perspective. Great, (laughs) solid answer like always. So yeah, we'll wrap this thing up after this last question. This is is the big one that I love. Uh, What is one life hack a student of business should apply to their life this week? What is one actionable task they could do this week?
2: Go to Google, type in how to set goals, and come up with three goals that you have over the next year that you want to accomplish, and then come up with a plan on how you're going to do it. Nailed it. I love it. So, you know, and and I know that's circling back on goals, but it's so important. If you don't know where you're going, you're going to wander around aimlessly. And if you're you're not setting goals on a consistent basis and evaluating where you're at, you're just not going to get where you want to go. And I think that's that's so important.
1: I mean, it just reminds me of Alice in Wonderland when Alice goes into, I don't know, whatever world she's in, because I haven't seen it in a million years, but she goes up to the cat and is trying to figure out directions and the cat asked where she's going and she said she doesn't know and so he yeah. explained that it really doesn't matter which way she what direction <laughs> she heads in that, that's a great perspective i like the tie-in yeah so disney disney nailed it
0: like always <laughs> <That's> what...
1: <laughs> well thank you so much brian for joining us on the show it's uh it's been a pleasure
2: no it was it was it was great to talk about it i hope uh, i hope your audience gets something out of the conversation oh they definitely will they definitely will <laughs> Good.
0: Thanks for listening to Master the Start, hosted by Bobby Mason and presented by GomaHi.com. Some takeaways from this week's episode. Remember that an employee's personality, potential, and cultural fit play a crucial role in a successful hire, and don't sleep on a great hire either. Chances are, if you wait, they'll be snatched up by another agency. The path to being the president of your own organization is to set goals, and make sure you are achieving those goals incrementally over the years. And the life hack for this week is, go to Google, type in how to set goals, and come up with three goals you want to accomplish over the next year. All that's left now is to make a plan, and presto, you are working as a successful president would.